for our scripture reading tonight, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 22. Especially uh, verses 9 and 10 are going to catch our attention tonight. But we're going to read the entire psalm and we'll have to look at these verses in their context. Psalm 22, this is a psalm of David. But as we read the lyrics of the song, we discover pretty soon it's not just David speaking. It is also Jesus speaking at times. Listen to the word of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them To you they cried and were rescued, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. Trust in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And then these are the words of the text. Yet you are he who took me from... You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. 
All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. That's how far we read from God's word. Children, this is a song of David, of King David. And you are familiar with King David, of course, as a young man. He is the one who took on Goliath, and with just his slingshot and a stone, he killed the giant. Later on, he became king, and he conquered all of his enemies all around him. But David did not have a trouble-free life. Far from it. He had lots and lots of trials and lots of troubles and lots of sorrows. And David one time wrote this song while he was going through some very, very hard times. So this song is one in which David writes about going through some very difficult, difficult things. But as we read through the song, I think you also heard, if you were listening closely enough, that there are things in this song that are about Jesus. So isn't that something? This song is a song that the man David writes in which he talks about his troubles and his trials. But it also becomes a song in which David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to say things that fit in the mouth of Jesus, who would be his great descendant, who would come for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years yet. And if you listen closely, you heard that the psalmist talks about how they pierce my hands and my feet. And of course, you knew that that was talking about Jesus. And then you heard about how they cast lots for his clothes. And you know, that's what happened to Jesus too after he was crucified. So this is a song that expresses not only David's sorrow and his troubles and his hurts, but it also tells us about the experience of Jesus Christ as he was crucified. Now, it's not just, though, only a story, a song about Jesus. It's also, therefore, a song in which a man like us, David, sings about some very hard times he went through. You know, little kids can get depressed, too. Little kids can have hard times, too. This is a song that reminds us how to deal with hard times. Now, maybe for many of you kids, you're probably saying, well, actually, I'm not going through real hard times now because summer vacation has about arrived. And I'm going to be finished with school, and I'm going to be able to enjoy life. I'm going to have things like hard tests behind me and challenges of interacting with kids at school behind me. But then that's fine. This is the kind of song that prepares you for future trouble. And for those of you who are older here today, I think if we would go around the congregation tonight and say, okay, what, 
What challenges are you going through right now? What keeps you awake at night? We would be very surprised to find how many burdens are resting on our shoulders, how many troubles the saints are going through. For some, it's troubles of sickness. Others, it's troubles in their family. For some, it's trials at work. Perhaps it's dealing with depression. Or maybe there's just challenges in your life and things you've been dealing with, and you've been praying about them, but it seems like God hasn't answered. Well, that's what this psalm is speaking to. And the great point of this psalm is this. You, as you and I are going through hard times, whether we're 10 years old or whether we're 25 years old or whether we're 70 years old, here's the thing. As we go through those trials, those difficulties, those things that stress us and burden our minds, there's something for us to remember. That God was our God. We can say that as members of the covenant. Most of us have been in the covenant all of our life. We can say, God was my God from my mother's womb. As the King James says, from my mother's belly. God was my God. And if he took care of me way back then, guess what he's going to do right now? In the midst of your new trials, he will uphold you and you are safe. So we look at this uh, text this evening under the theme, God being my God from my mother's womb. We'll look at the meaning of that and then the comfort derived from that and then finally the result. The psalmist in the words of our text in verses 9 and 10 makes a very, very strong confession in the midst of great trouble. He says that God was his God from his mother's womb. It all starts with what he says at the beginning of verse 9. There he says that God supervised his birth and protected him at the moment of his birth. He says, yet you are he who took me from the womb. That's, he says, God, you're the God who took me from my mother's womb. I think the figure here is like at childbirth, what happens? Well, in the hospital, you have a doctor and nurses who are waiting there so that when the little baby is born, the doctor can catch the newborn baby as the baby is born so that the baby doesn't fall on the ground like happens, of course, when cows give birth, for example. Their little calves just tumble onto the hard ground. No, at that moment, what happened when you were born? When you were born, there was a doctor there or a nurse or maybe your mom decided she would have a baby at home, and maybe you're from the older generation when pretty much everybody birth at the family farm. Well, the midwife was there, and she caught you, and she took you. That's the picture. So God is like the doctor. He's like the midwife. And you and I were helpless when we were born. In biblical times, the time of birth was a time of great, great vulnerability for the mother and for the baby. There was a high infant mortality rate. That means, kids, that a lot of babies died in the olden days. You know, if you lived 200 years ago, you would find that in a lot of families, they had lots of babies that died or little kids who were two and three who died. And so it was a time of great vulnerability. 
But David remembers this. He says, you are the one who took me from my mother's womb. Why are you alive right now? Why are you sitting in church tonight? Because God took you and protected you as you came from your mother's womb. He guarded you. Maybe when you were born, you even had a medical issue. And they needed to rush you into surgery. But the Lord protected you. He was there. And he watched over you as one of his elect children. So God was there, and God was very attentive at the moment of your birth. Can you imagine then the special interest God took when Christ was born? Can you imagine the importance of that moment when angels, too, are probably wanting to peer into that cave or whatever it was in which the Virgin Mary you know, there was no room in the end, so there the Virgin Mary is, and she's giving birth to a little baby who is the Son of God and the Son of Man. Can you imagine how God the Father superintended that, supervised that, so the little baby was born safe in the stable and laid alive and well in the manger? So notice the argument that the psalmist is already beginning to make. He's having to preach to himself. He's having to talk to himself. As he's in the midst of great trials, he's saying, but God, you're the God who protected me when I was born. And that's what you can say tonight, too. You can say as a believer, you can say, God, you took me from my mother's womb. You protected me when I was born. And then second, I think, what is an astonishingly profound statement? He says in verse 9, in the second half, he said, You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. Isn't that astonishing? For us too, for we who are members of the covenant, we who were born and from our earliest years believe the gospel, believe God's word, we can take confession on our lips we can say you made me trust at my mother's breasts now what's so startling here of course is because when we were on our mother's breast we were so young we were just little babies that's how the lord fed us and provided us you know after you and i were born we weren't you know having steak dinners no we drank our mother's milk the Lord provided us with this rich nourishment. Now, what does this mean? Well, certainly we have God's sovereignty emphasized here because guess who made us trust at our mother's breast? God did. David says, you made me trust. So God did something in our lives. He made us trust in him. Trust you at my mother's breast. Now, what does that mean? What does the word of God mean here? That a covenant sprang up in our minds that God put there so that we, we somehow had already a sense of divinity, a sense that God was entrusted in him. Is it that the, the seed of faith is already coming to expression in a very, very childlike way? As I reflected on this, too, I thought there's a little difference today than in those days. Today, for example, when moms have children, how long do they breastfeed them? 
Well, maybe according to his manhood, too. As he had the first dawn of consciousness, Jesus, as a man, realized that God was his God. It's interesting how the Bible does speak about how, as a boy, Jesus had a sense of the fact that God was his God, and even more, he knew that he was that his person was the person of the eternal word, the person of the eternal son. We're told in Luke 2 that the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And also in Luke 2, we find him as a 12-year-old saying to his, his mom and to his adoptive father, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I might be in my father's house? No, Jesus knew, of course, that he was the Messiah, and he knew he was the Son of God. But the point being made here is that already when we were very, very young, God made us to trust in him, and therefore, guess what? As you have grown older and grown in faith, as our consciousness has reached this fuller development, guess what we can do now, too? In the middle of trials, we can trust in the God of the covenant. And then we come to the greatest statement of all in verse 10. The psalmist says, On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Here he says that he was cast upon God from his birth. I think what he's saying there is that he was right away made dependent upon God from his very birth. But then he says this great statement. He says, and from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Isn't that something? For those of us who have grown up in the church and covenant of God, there wasn't a time when we were older, for example, maybe 20, and then for the first time we repented of our sins and believed in Christ. No, for many of us who were born into the covenant, what happened? Well, in our various youngest years already, when we, we were very young already, when our dad and mom taught us the gospel and they took us to church to hear God's ministers, we believed God's word. We believed in God. At our very young years already, we were sorrowful for our sins. And we believed God's word, even if we had a very simple understanding of who Jesus was and if we only sang songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know, or the Lord's my shepherd. David here uses covenantal language. He says, you are my God from my mother's womb. Notice how far back he traces this. He traces it all the way back to when he was in his mother's womb or when he was being born from his mother's womb. He knows that he was a elect child of God. I think he believes that he was regenerated already in his infancy. And so he can say, God, you are my God Already back then, from the time I was born, you were my God. And by that, he means that you are my saving God. This is the same promise that God made to Abraham. I will be a God to you and to your seed after you. This is the pronouncement of God who says, I will be your protector. I will be your father. I will be your deliverer. And so David can say, from the time I was born, God has been my God. And think back to your childhood. Think back to what you were like as a little kid. 
Think about how your dad and mom can talk about what you were like already as a young child and how you, were, you loved your dad and mom and you loved God's word. You were teachable. Many of us can say too, yes, God, you have been my God from my mother's womb. Just like the Baptist who we're told was filled with the spirit from his mother's womb. By God's grace, we are like elect Jacob. We were children of the promise. We were the spiritual seed of the covenant. And here's the point. If God was already our God from our mother's womb, and was our God when we were little children already, now when you're going through adult-sized problems and challenges and sorrows, guess what? God is your God. He is your covenant God. He is faithful. He is your protector. He will be with you. He will bring you through your troubles. He will hear your prayers. He will deliver you in his timing. He will glorify his name in you. And that's the comfort. But I find no rest. It's not clear what's going on in his life. He does talk like his life is in danger at times. He talks about how, for example, he's so thirsty at times. He does talk about how he has enemies around him who are coming after him, but we don't know the specific circumstances, but he feels like God has abandoned him. Maybe you feel that way tonight too. Maybe you've had something you've been dealing with and you've gone to God and say, help. And there seems to be no relief. Maybe God even seems absent. Maybe even say, well, I can remember times in my life when I had this sense of God's closeness with me, and now it doesn't feel like that. David says in verse 11, Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there's none to help. He keeps talking about how God is so far away from him. In verse 1, he says, Why are you so far from saving me? Verse 18, he talks about verse 19, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. He feels like God is far off. Do you have weighty troubles tonight hanging over you, weighing you down? Well, here's the thing. God's past covenant faithfulness to you in your childhood is also an argument for the fact that he will care for you when you get older. After all, the Bible even talks about how when we are old and gray-haired, now fragile on the other side of age, the Lord will be with us. What, what hurts the psalmist too is that his fathers, he recounts how his fathers, his ancestors trusted in God and then God heard their prayers. And he feels a little bit hurt because he says like, I've been praying and now you seem to be quiet and you aren't answering my prayers. But now he becomes encouraged by the fact that if God was his God, from his mother's womb, then guess what? God will also hear his prayers too. And that's the case with us too. Maybe you had a grandpa and grandma who loved to pray. And maybe you have a dad and a mom who loved to pray and you grew up and you saw how God heard the prayers of your grandpa and grandma who lived through the Depression, lived through World War II. And then your dad and mom, maybe they didn't have very much and they prayed and the Lord heard them. And the Lord provided, even though there wasn't a lot of food on the table. It's a reminder how if God provided for them, he will provide for us 
too. So be comforted. Second, the songwriter is comforted by the fact that God is his God because he felt, he felt despised. He felt like everybody was rejecting him, like he was like a worm. And he's being attacked by these powerful bulls of Bashan. Feels dehumanized. In verse 6, he says, But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. He talks about how he has enemies who are like the bulls of Bashan. Now, the land of Bashan was an area that was on the east side of the Jordan River, a great, great place for pasture, where they would raise these big, strong bulls. And because of the fall, the fall of course, bulls can be dangerous and they can maul men. Some of you have Dexter bulls, and they're not so big, and they're not so dangerous, although they're, they're big. They can throw their weight around. But the bulls of Bashan were big, dangerous animals. And David says, my enemies are like these bulls of Bashan about to gore me. Maybe you had people who have been attacking you lately. And emotionally, it feels like they're strong bulls of Bashan, like they're dogs that are encircling you, like lions. In fact, we have demonic lions around us. Maybe there's things in your life where lately you've said it seems like Satan is attacking me, attacking our family. Well, in response to that, David reminds himself that God is his God. The Bible talks about how the spirit that is in us is more powerful than the spirit that's in the world. And if God is your God, guess what? He will protect you from even satanic enemies. You're safe. Maybe people are going after you, but God will protect you. And God will protect the church even in the last days when the Antichrist raises his ugly head and destroys the public witness of the church even in those days. God, remember, will shorten the times for the sake of his elect. And then third, the songwriter is comforted by the truth that God was his God from his mother's womb because he's going through such intense anguish. And the anguish he describes becomes prophetically the anguish of Christ. And so we see that it's Christ also who needs to remember that God was his God from the womb of the Virgin Mary and who will bring him through even his greatest trial. Christ also, verse 15 says, my tongue sticks to my jaws. Now, isn't that a stunning? The one who is the creator of all, of all things. All things were made by the word. Without him was nothing made that was made. He made the fresh water lakes in all the earth. And yet, he must be consumed with thirst. And then, in verse 16, the crucifixion is predicted. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. And that's what happened when Jesus was crucified. The Roman soldiers nailed his hands and his feet to the accursed tree. And Deuteronomy says that anyone who is hung on a tree is suffering an accursed death. Also in verse 17, Christ says, I can count all my bones. None of his bones were broken. That was 
an ancient, ancient prophecy. That's why when you had a Passover lamb, you could not break the bones of the Passover lamb as you prepared the meal. And Christ speaks about how they divide his garments and cast lots for them. And so isn't that remarkable, kids, how hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus hung on the cross, there this was predicted ahead of time. And we're, we're even told about how his enemies would mock him. And sure enough, we have that recorded in the gospel accounts. In Matthew 27, we find his enemies saying, He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Well, guess what Psalm 22 verse 8 said? He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. And the word trust there that's used is literally a word that means roll over. And in the Bible, there's this talk about rolling over your burden and bringing it to the Lord. Proverbs 16, verse 3 tells us to roll our work upon Jehovah. We're told to roll our burdens upon the Lord. The, the idea is this. Whatever challenges you're going through, whatever pain you have, whatever hurts, whatever trials, whatever dangers, the idea is this. Roll those burdens on the Lord, put them on the Lord, because the great God of the covenant, who made you in your mother's womb and protected you at birth, and who showed his love to you when you were already a little lamb, guess what? He can carry your burdens. And what's the result of the fact that God was our God from our mother's womb? Well, he will deliver us. That's the point of this song. He will deliver us. That's why in verse 24 we read, For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Notice how the psalmist tells us that we can praise God for a certain future deliverance. Whatever trials we're going through, the Lord will bring us through. We can be certain of that. We can be confident of that because he is our God. He is our God and Father. He loves us with an infinite love. He cares for us. He watches over us. He protects us like the apple of his eye. So the psalmist celebrates the fact that God actually has heard his cries. And the Lord has heard yours too. And he will answer in his time. Now it's true that God can appear silent for a time, but that simply points to his astonishing freedom. God has astonishing freedom as the eternal God. He is God and God alone, and therefore, if he wishes us to go through trials and difficulties for a period of time, he has the right to do that. But then the time will come, and he will deliver. And so David also begins to talk about how he will bring a a vow to the Lord. He'll pay his vow. He'll bring a vow of gratitude to the Lord. It's like this. When you've been praying about something and you face this big trial and how in the world are you going to get through it? And then the Lord provides the way and you're so grateful that you say, well, I want to give a special gift, for example, to the benevolent fund for the poor. He says he will pay his vow and then he says, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. He means the poor, the needy, will be able to come to the temple with him and they will be able to feast on this thank offering that he has brought out of gratitude to the Lord. 
And then finally, the second result of God being our God from our mother's womb is that not only does God deliver us and bring us through trials and bring us finally into the eternal kingdom, but since God is our God and he protects us, guess what? We can be alive then in his sovereign providence to witness to the So that in my generations, God will continue in his mercy to gather his elect people and glorify his name. He was once a covenant child, and now he wants to witness about God to other covenant children. And this language of the psalmist telling God's name to his brothers in the midst of the congregation, something that David could have done in the Old Testament in the tabernacle, well, that becomes something Christ says. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 12, takes this to be prophetic of Jesus And he says that the brothers are not just ethnic Jews, they are the New Testament church. So Christ, too, will say God's name and publish it to his brothers in the midst of the congregation. And the whole idea is this, is that through this witness, the gospel will go to the nations. And so here we are in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when most of the people who were in the covenant people in the church of the Old Testament were ethnic Jews, the psalmist is predicting that the gospel would go to the nations. In verse 27, he says, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Isn't that something? How he is looking ahead to the gathering of the New Testament church. And what do we have here tonight in this congregation? Gentile families. Gentile families who are recipients of the astonishing grace of God. And so David doesn't just think of Jews being saved. No, he thinks of Abraham's promise, the great Abrahamic promise being fulfilled and families of elect Gentiles being safe in the arms of Jehovah God. So here's the point. In the midst of your trials this week, don't despair. No, believers, beloved, children of God, sheep and lambs, remember that God was your God from your mother's womb. And if he cared for you then, he will care for you today and this week. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so weak in ourselves, so prone to be down, so prone to be troubled. We have so many trials that you, in your good and wise sovereignty, send into our lives. And our faith is so terribly weak, so we pray that in this coming week, you would use your word to strengthen us, fill us with the Holy Spirit, so that we would be reminded how safe and secure and guarded we are and how we are everlastingly blessed. And so we roll all of our burdens upon you, our God and our Savior, in the name of Jesus.